Wow, I don't, I don't, I, I knew what I was doing before, and now I kind of don't. And I think that goes for theological reflection too. Is uh, questions that we take for granted about community, about a relational uh, ministry, about communion. I mean, I, I know that's a debate in a lot of churches. These things are being re reorganized and re questioned in ways they haven't been before. Hey everyone, welcome to the Missing Voices podcast. This is Justin Forbes, your host. You are listening to an episode within the Youth Ministry and COVID-19 series. Our goal with these couple episodes is to lift up the reality of youth ministry in the midst of a worldwide pandemic. And for this episode, we have decided to bring together a few people that we've interviewed uh, and people that are just like yourself. These are youth workers, on the front lines, in churches, in parachurch organizations that are trying to figure out how do we do this work of youth ministry right here, right now, in the midst of the coronavirus and the quarantine and all that that means. So I hope this is a gift for you. You will hear from folks just like yourself, maybe their first year of ministry, maybe 20 years in. Uh, we tried to talk to a bunch of different folks from around the country with different levels of experience uh, and just get them to share with us what's going on in their worlds of doing this work together. All right, let's get into it. All right, everybody, we've got Wes Ellis here. Wes, you there? Yeah. Hey, Justin. All right. Good deal. Wes is from uh, First United Methodist Church in Toms River, New Jersey. He's been in ministry for a little over 15 years now, a Princeton Seminary grad, uh, and is working on his PhD at the University of Aberdeen. Uh, we're doing that together. That's fun. But if Wes beats me to the finish line, I'm going to be ticked. Mm, uh, challenge accepted. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Wait for me, Wes. Wait for me. <laughs> um, it, so I'm I'm calling you today, Wes, just to talk about youth ministry in this weird COVID nineteen uh, era season. Is do we call it an era? It, it might need I to don't be longer. It's a it's, it's a thing. It's definitely a thing. It's definitely a thing, and it's definitely a thing that we're going to look back on. I don't know what we're going to say about it yet. But so we wanted to just start with you by asking, like, what do you see happening right now? I mean, you're someone who is uh, thinking theologically about ministry, doing a PhD in, in theology, all those sort of things. But you're also someone who is very much boots on the ground, right? I mean, like you're uh, interacting with and, and hanging out with, well, maybe not hanging out, but um, <laughs> with all kinds of young people at your church. So what do you see if you were to diagnose this, what's going on in, in the minds and hearts of young people right now? What do you see happening? Yeah. Well, first of all, what I'm seeing, I mean, you mentioned that I, I think theologically and I do all that kind of stuff. But what this situation has done for a lot of us who've been in ministry for a long time is it's kind of made amateurs out of all of us <laughs> that we've sort of all had to kind of go back to the beginning a little bit and um, and realize that that uh, we've never taken this class in seminary, you know, we, we, we've never <laughs> done this before. So, um, you know, pastoring in a pandemic is just not on the, on the curriculum. So um, right. that's something I'm seeing among pastors and youth workers in my area is just this like, wow, I don't, I don't, I, I knew what I was doing before and now I kind of don't. And I think that hmm. goes for theological reflection too, is uh, we just kind of uh, questions that we take for granted about, uh, community, about uh, a relational uh, ministry, uh, about communion. I mean, I, I know that's a debate in a lot of churches. Um, these things are being re reorganized and re-questioned re in ways they haven't been before. So uh, that's that's something I think that's going on with, with pastors and youth workers in this. Hmm. Uh, and some of us are more insecure about it than others. Do you mean like it's being perceived as a threat to be asking those questions? No. Well, I, I think for some of us who, who are pretty uh, confident in our way of doing ministry um, and our way of thinking about our ministry, uh, this mm -hmm. situation has put us in a position we probably haven't been in in a while of feeling like we're amateurs, of feeling like we don't yeah. know okay. how to do this. Um, that's what I mean. And, and, and I, I think it's leveled the playing ground 
uh, in a lot of ways, if, if gotcha. you want to use a competitive metaphor. But um, <laughs> what, I, what I'm seeing with, with the, the young people that I'm working with and, and trying to continue to connect with online and, and stuff is, um, is a kind of uh, a lot of sort of competing feelings, uh, competing senses of disbelief and mm. fear uh so i and, and then like the nagging a temptation to to kind of roll your eyes about it um that, mm. that seems to be the way it is around here that kids feel this sense of like wow i'm actually afraid for for the people around me maybe for myself but at the same time i wake up every morning and i'm not sure this is actually happening like what what is this is this real i still have to be <laughs> at home uh and then um, and yeah, so it's this, it's this kind of swirl of, of feelings and, uh, I, kids uh, and, and adults are just not sure what to do with those feelings. And that's really, I think where the, the ground of ministry is right now is trying to help people, um, feel whatever they're feeling, uh, and to see and sense that God is present in that, in those feelings, uh, hmm. at least what I've tried to. Uh, to focus on in, in my ministry. So uh, that's definitely meant changing the way I do things. It's not so so much the, the routine Bible study, but a lot more space just to talk and be together uh, online, of course. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you've sort of like, I guess, reoriented your work around creating space to allow people to feel those feelings and to explore God's presence in the midst of those feelings. Do you feel like you've learned anything from young people or about yourself or about God? I mean, like what, what is that space for exploration uh, bringing about? Yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing that I'm learning or that uh, I, I just can't escape from is this idea of connection and proximity. Uh, and usually we sort of conflate those two ideas. Like to, like if you're together in the same room that's half the battle of being connected, right? That's sort of how I've usually thought about it. It's like, if I can just get people in the room, then we can have a connection. Um, sure. But that's no longer an option. Um, and yet what I've noticed is that in some ways, people are more connected uh, in our church and the young people I'm working with are, are kind of, they need each other more, <laughs> like they're more hungry right. for those connections. So when we do get on Zoom or whatever we're, whatever platforms, we're using Zoom, that's kind of, like my new favorite sure. thing in the world right now. Uh, but yeah. uh, when we do yeah. hop on Zoom, and, and, <laughs> yeah, but when we do get on there, um, there is this like very real sense of connection and, and we've anticipated it. We need it. Um, and mm -hmm. we sort of long for it, but it, you know, at the same time, I think it's increased the value or our value of, of proximity of like, even though we're, we've noticed that like you can be in the room with someone and not connect with them at all. I mean, just right. think about the last time you went to the grocery store, like what was the name of the cashier person who checked right. you out? Or do you remember anything about that person? Like you were, you were closer to them than you've been with any of the kids in your youth group for the last several weeks. And yet uh, you didn't connect at all. And yet you're able to connect when you get on zoom or whatever. So you, you, at the same time as you can be in the same space and not connect, you can also be separate and connect. But when we do that, when we connect online or whatever, I think uh, it's impossible not to notice that, that it's just still not quite the same. It doesn't right. completely substitute for actually being together. Um, so that's kind of sort of uh, what's going on with, with my reflection on this is just um, thinking about, you know, how do we, how do we think about relationships and connecting with each other? And that, uh, like, how do we, uh, when we gather again, how do we make sure we're actually connecting? Um, and in our gatherings now, are we, are we still seeing how important it is for us to actually be together and find those spaces? Um, mm. so that's, that's kind of what's, what I, I think I'm learning the most right now. It sounds like that would like I could imagine like in a month um, or two months or however long it's going to be until we maybe have like, quote unquote, youth group again um, and gather all your young folks. Like, I wonder 
what what might you do differently you know or what might uh what what little nuances might work their way in from here on out um because of what's been happening now and i don't know that we can even begin to anticipate that i just i, I just sort of wonder like and, and part of me thinks man like the day that we get to open the doors to the church again and everyone gets to come back i just think the place is going to be full. I think it's going to feel like a celebration and it's, it's going to be like a wonderful homecoming sort of feeling. I mean, I, at least that's the feeling I have at our, about our you know congregation, our community. And I imagine there's going to be some youth groups that are like that too. Like it's so good to be back together in the room. Like I can't wait to hug these people that I miss and care about, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just wonder like, what do you think? I mean, what do you imagine that it's going to reshape what you do or, make you change the way you do a couple things. I don't, I mean, you may or may not have an answer for that yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's right to, to sort of hold off on anticipating too strongly, like what exactly is going to change. You know, Uh, the fact is like the way we've been doing ministry may actually be exactly what we want to go back to. And we may just value more some of the things that maybe we forgot how important they really were. And so it'll, I think it'll implicitly change how we talk about certain things. And I, I mean, for us, the first thing that comes to mind is just like, man, these, these small group opportunities that we create in youth groups sometimes, I mean, everybody does different uh, things, but in our, our, our group, uh, you know, we try every once in a while to create situations where kids can be in small groups and actually share their stories and pray for each other. Um, and I just feel like, man, we're going to, we're going to do a lot of that. <laughs> and, and when we get back together um, and maybe that's, maybe that's kind of the biggest lesson I'm learning here is just like how important the basics are. I mean, uh, you can get really creative in how you do ministry online and whatever, but in the end, what you're trying for is still those basics of just how do you get people to connect with each other, to connect with God, to notice where God is active in their lives and their stories, and to to be able to empathize with those stories together. Uh, I mean, that's that's kind of the heartbeat of ministry. It always has been. Nothing's really changed in that. Um, mm. But we have a new opportunity to kind of reawaken to like how important those basics are, um, and and remember that uh, how you know however fun it is to get really creative. Ministry is still ministry and it hasn't really changed. So that's kind of funny because, I mean, part of what I was going to ask you next was like, what is the sort of practical gift or something that has felt hopeful for you, but that's super practical? And what I hear you saying is that like, while everything has changed, in some ways, nothing has changed about Mm -hmm. the core of this. Mm -hmm. And in fact, maybe not being able to gather has sort of uh, heightened our senses and made us more acutely aware that we really need to uh, connect and foster this deeper connection with, uh, you know, with young people, but also between them and, and setting that up and trying to facilitate that. So, yeah, 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 definitely. And just uh, being able to, to just see each other and uh, will be <laughs> so important for just connecting with our, uh, with, you know, the fact that God works and is present in our humanity uh, and to see each other as human beings. I mean, these are things we've always done. So uh, I think this has, yeah, heightened our awareness, I think is how you put it. Um, definitely. Uh, that's what's going on. Okay. So uh, Wes, in closing, would you be willing to offer sort of a benediction or a blessing of sorts for youth workers who might uh-huh. be listening? I, I've talked to you know some folks who are just feel buried alive under this right now. Some folks who are just trying to make it work while they're at home with their children or... Yeah. Maybe, you know, uh, like we're going to have a couple of folks that it's their first year of ministry, like right out of school. Um, and they're sitting here going, oh, my gosh, I thought I knew what I was doing, but I now I have no idea what I'm doing. Things like this. Yeah. What would you how would you want to encourage those folks? Yeah. Um, yeah. Work harder. Do better. That's no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. Uh, wouldn't that be a great benediction uh, at a church service? It's like, all right. Get out and get off your butt. Work, get off your butt. Work harder. Uh, no, actually, I would say the opposite. I would say, uh, for you know, because we're all amateurs now uh, in this in this ministry thing, and we're having to go back to basics. Uh, remember that basic uh, truth that uh, God has called you to ministry, and so that means that you are are good enough. 
and whatever you can give, whatever you are giving is enough already. Uh, because what mm-hmm. young people still need, what they've always needed is you uh, and not some flashier, more creative, better version of you, but just the, the version of you that God has called uh, the version that God created and loves. Um, so whoever you are, whatever you're doing, uh, that's what young people need. Um, and so you're, you're already enough. I love it. You are enough. If there's one like Wes Ellis statement that I have known over the years, it's probably that. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> you I, are I, enough, which is probably what you needed to hear a while back, I'm guessing. I still need to hear that because, yeah, my, my impulse is still to, to say, man, how can I be better all the time? And uh, it's there's nothing right. wrong with getting better and trying to do things more creatively, but like, um, it, there can be something wrong with it when, uh, when you forget that, uh, that when you forget grace, uh, ministry, yeah. God's work, and we get to be, we get to participate foolishly and, and clumsily, but, um, but God invites us into this. So yeah, you're enough. Amen to that, Wes. You are enough. Thank you for your time. That was enough time. See what I did <laughs> That was great. I'm really, I feel like my humor has really been ratcheted up in this quarantine. No, (laughs) I don't know. That was sort of, you sound funnier to yourself now because no one else is around. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Wes. (laughs) Thanks, Justin. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, buddy. See ya. Bye. Okay, everybody, we've got Angelina DeVincenzo on the phone with us here. Angelina, you there? Hello, I am here. Hello, Angelina. Uh, Angelina lives in Nashville, Tennessee, and works as the middle school youth director at First Presbyterian Church of Nashville. Uh, She's also a first-year student at Vanderbilt Divinity School. Uh, And most importantly, let's be honest here, most importantly, she graduated from Flagler College in December of 2017, so Angelina, you are in your first or second full-time year of youth ministry, and clearly you were prepared for a worldwide pandemic to change everything. Am I right? Obviously, yeah. We had been preparing for it since December of last year. Yes, yes. So this first year has been like a really great welcome to youth ministry and pandemic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That was like a <laughs> heaviness in your mm-hmm. so tell us a little bit about your ministry context pre-pandemic and then i'd like to just sort of you know discuss what's happened and what things are looking like yeah so um i have the pleasure of working at one of the largest presbyterian churches in the country um so we have a really large youth ministry program with a lot of activities throughout the week um you know like any youth ministry program i am used to seeing kids all throughout the week. We are very big about contact work and Sunday school and planning trips um, and just being with kids physically in person uh, as much as possible. Um, And so this pandemic has really changed the face of what our youth ministry program looks like as a whole. Yeah. So um, all of those things are good that you just described. And none of them are allowed now, at least in the way in which you've done them in the past. So what do you see um, in the minds and hearts of young people that you work with or, or, or kids that you're in relationship with? Um, what do you see happening right now? Like what is, I mean, I think we all know enough about the coronavirus and the shelter in place orders and those sort of things. But what do you see happening in the minds and hearts of young people as they process this? I mean, Dustin, there are so many different things happening in their minds and in their hearts. Um, obviously, oh, some kids are really sad. Mm. Um, some are going through a lot of grief and mourning about what this will look like for their senior year or what this will look like for them as they move into college. Um, my college students are home um, and not pleased. Uh, And then some of them are really grateful. I have talked to a lot of kids who are really enjoying online school, Hmm. um, are really enjoying the lack of drama that comes with it. Um, And a lot of them are finding new ways to connect with friends, and they're grateful for that too. 
uh, whether that be on Zoom or in Google Hangouts or in drive-by their house Hangouts, um, whatever that looks like, there's such a mixed bag of emotions depending on what grade kids are in um, and what they're experiencing in their physical school. So for a lot of kids, it's hard because they miss their friends at school. And for many of them who for school, um, for whom school is not as much of a gift, um, it's been a blessing for them to not have to be in that every day. Hmm. Yeah, I think this is sort of a consistent theme that we're hearing from people um, that, you know, out of 10 kids that they're in relationship with, uh, those 10 kids could be in 10 different places with this. I mean, maybe right. some of their parents lost their jobs and um, mm-hmm. they're already feeling that pinch or some of them feel like this is like an incredible getaway from everything else. Um, and some of them might know someone or have someone in their family that is sick or be sick themselves. I mean, like there's been uh, yeah. sort of that reality um, in different places of the country a little more profound than others, but um, yeah. they're all over the place. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that is a reality of it too, is that some of them are truly scared for their family members or um, their friends or their siblings who um, are more susceptible to this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been experiencing from them a lot of anxiety in that space as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, thank you for that. Now, I'd love to hear from you. What do you see as a particularly challenging aspect of this for you? Like for you as a youth minister who's a year in, um, what has been just really hard or sort of a loss or just challenging in general about this time trying to think about and do youth ministry? Yeah, I think um, for me, the biggest challenge that I have faced is the loss of routine, just being completely thrown out of routine. Um, I know that I think a lot of youth ministers uh, tend to balance more than just youth ministry at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me being a first year um, MDiv student at Vanderbilt as well, um, I thrive on routine. I need to have um, routine and a sense of place and space to differentiate between what is going on in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that has been a really huge challenge of maintaining um some sort of consistency and motivation um, and productivity, I feel like there's such an exhaustion of consistently being thrown off in the world right now. Um, Like as you try to be productive, you feel thrown off and then that's exhausting to you. Is that what you mean? It is. I think it is. I think having to wake up every day and not have anywhere to go, not have any particular routine for the most part. Yeah. I think that has made life in general really challenging and therefore has made youth ministry really challenging hmm. um, in the sense that there's no set space to connect with kids. Um, yeah. Everything just looks different and hmm. yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. It, it is. is hard. <laughs> <laughs> I always joke with people, well, always, I guess just in the last couple of weeks, I've been joking with people that I feel like I took a dumb pill. Like I feel yeah. like I took something and it has made me just lose my sense of um, what's going on to some degree. Mm-hmm. Like I just don't hold everything together as well as I did. And I'm just not on top of my schedule and I'm missing some drive. So it sounds like you're um, saying, yeah, me too about that. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. When you you said that to me a few days ago and it was this relief for me. I was like, Oh, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one who just feels like in, in some ways I feel like there is more time to get things done. Uh Um, Yeah. Um, But with that, it's that much harder to actually be productive with that increase of time. Right. Right. Yeah, no, I think it's a trap to say, oh, there's more time. You should be able to get more done. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, you know, for like in my situation, it's like you're trying to work from home for the most part. You have all these kids at home. Like you right. can't actually leave. Like everyone's sense of routine is disrupted. I One of my students, we were having um, class via Zoom. And she said, you know, I feel kind of stupid for saying this, but like I miss the coffee shop that I would go to every day. And yeah. I just, I, I know that like, 
you know, in perspective, given everyone's, you know, what everyone's dealing with, this is nothing compared to what people are dealing with. But at the same time, I just feel off. And I feel like the place where I go to get my work done and where I, you know, I'm productive and I can have my routine sort of in place, like that's been just sort of taken away. And now I just feel like, well, where do I do stuff? And how do I get stuff done? And um, right. so I think right. I, at least on some level, everyone's dealing with that. And especially, you know, that's true for young people as well. You think about sports or clubs or all their, you know, sort of the mediums of social interaction that they have. Uh, youth group being one of those that um, that yeah. have been taken away or at least having to be recreated. So, yeah, absolutely. So different levels of all of this. Yeah, for sure. Well, what do you see if that's part of the challenge, a routine and, and um, the loss of, of, of that momentum or that ability to get things done in that way? What do you see as signs of hope or signs of life in the middle of this? I mean, in some way, uh, we've all been forced into this wilderness of sorts, right? And there's going to be uh, gifts that come out of it that never would have been prescribed or expected or uh, yeah. anticipated. But do you see any of that yet? I mean, we're still pretty early in this whole thing, but do you see yeah. anything happening there? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think two things. One, I think there's been a profound amount of grace that has been a gift in this season and kind of mm -hmm. forced grace in a lot of ways. Hmm. Um, in the sense that, I mean, to the girl who's missing her coffee shop, like have grace in yourself for yourself in that moment. Like mm -hmm. you are allowed to be sad about missing the space that you worked in. Um, right. And there are different levels of privilege within all of this sure. as there are, um, in all sorts of times in life, um, and in life in general. Um, and it's okay for people on all sides of that to have grace for themselves in whatever space they're finding themselves in. Yeah. Um, with that, I think that in ministry, I feel like there has been um, an ability to go back to the basics in a lot of ways. Huh. I think that we tend to make youth ministry so complicated. And of course there are challenges um, because young people are constantly changing and the way to live life as a young person is constantly changing. But I think that we tend to think that we have to do so much to be effective in youth ministry. Mm. Um, and the truth is in this season, we haven't been able to do that. Right. Um, we have not been able to put on all of the programs that we would normally put on. We have not been able to plan all of the elaborate trips. We have literally only been able to figure out what kids are going through right now um, and meet them where they are in this present moment. Yeah. Um, in such limited ways, like to only be able to do that through Zoom or um, through social media has been challenging. Um, but I think it's been this really beautiful call for me as a youth minister um, to have grace for myself in the little that I'm able to do. And remember that my call as a youth minister is simply to love kids and meet them where they are. Mm -hmm. um, and it's so, it's been freeing to see how simple that can be um, to just pick up the phone and call them mm. um, or to laugh about their TikTok or, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Um, I, I'm curious to see how the landscape of youth ministry, the landscape of life in general, I'm curious to see how all of that changes after this. Right. Uh, and I, I hope that we maintain some of the simplicity that has been forced upon us in this space. Hmm. I love that, yes. by the way. I Thank would you. love for some of the simplicity to remain. Mm -hmm. What's one like super practical uh, thing that you have done or that your team that you're a part of at, at First Pres Nashville that, is, that mm -hmm. you have done that has helped you um, kind of keep the ball moving, right? Like keep moving in the right direction in terms of staying. You don't just accidentally stay connected with kids, right? Yeah. So like what, is there any sort of like tool that you've used or like way of being organized or technology that you've used in particular that you have found to be just like, oh my gosh, like this is what's helping us right now. Yeah. 
Um, we're a very plan-oriented team, and I think we just had a plan very early on, and it wasn't a plan that we created one time and then left where it was. Um, each week, we have been coming together as a team three times a week to, wow. yeah, uh, to discuss how everything has been going and where we'll be going from here. Um, and we've just been using everything that we have at our disposal to help us right now. Um, so we've had a very uh, stringent social media plan um, and what that looks like. And we're actually reassessing it this week to change that up. Um, but we've also just been systematically calling um, every child under our care um, wow. and every family under our care and every wow. volunteer under our care. Um and we have been meeting with them in every way possible. Yeah. Uh, we've been doing Sunday school via Zoom. We've been doing small groups via Zoom. Um, we've been doing volunteer meetings via Zoom. Yeah. Um, and just checking in and consistently checking in. Um, we have already called through every child on our roster once, and we're about to do it again this week. Yeah. Great. Um, of course, they don't all answer their phones, right? Of course. Um, but I think the practical thing for us right now is remembering that kids will remember who is here for them in this time. Hmm. Um, and so practically that just means reaching out to them as much as possible. Right. So what I hear you saying is um, intermittent check-ins with your team with short amounts of time in between those check-ins. So multiple times a week, or I could imagine people saying, Hey, we're going to, we're just going to check in every single week or even twice a week or whatever about our sort of most immediate plan. Um, yeah. I mean, you're in a very rare situation in that you're in a, a team of multiple full-time youth ministers, but um, mm -hmm. for most folks who are, are, you know, a youth minister by themselves or with volunteers, they could still, um, they could still do a weekly check-in just to say, okay, we've got these 50 kids or these 30 kids or these hundred kids or whatever it is that we yeah you know, have some sort of reach or proximity to. Um, and so we can just be intentional about calling every one of them and and making sure they know at the very least that we're thinking of them and that we're wanting to make sure they uh, are doing okay and that they're, you know, sort of um, connected and, and that they right. belong. So yeah, I, love that. I agree. Very cool. Okay. Well, Angelina, uh, to close our time together, would you offer a blessing or a benediction of sorts uh, for those who might be listening as well? These are your colleagues. These are your peers in youth ministry. And um, what would you have to say to them by way of encouragement? Yeah, I think um, just in this time, um, allow God to bless you in whatever way that looks like. Allow God to continue to call you the beloved, which you yeah. are. Um, and remember that with that comes so much grace and so much blessing um, and so much transformation. I, I just pray that God would um, transform all of the things that you are feeling and worried about and anxious about um, and impatient about. Uh, and transform those into ways that you can continue to experience God's goodness and blessing upon you and those that you serve. Um, and that in all of that, uh, the simplicity of the forced simplicity of this season would remind you of the simplicity of uh, your call to be the beloved and remind others of their belovedness as well. Amen to that. Amen. <laughs> Angelina, thank you for your time. Thanks for coming on here. Um, we will keep talking, my friend. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay, we're on the phone here with Rachel McNeil. Rachel is the Director of Youth Ministry at Memorial Presbyterian Church in St. Augustine, uh, side note, that's where I go to worship. And she's my children's youth minister, uh, which is fun. She's a graduate of Flagler College and Princeton Theological Seminary and has a professional background in higher education and interfaith cooperation. So she's currently also an adjunct professor at Flagler College uh, and lives here in St. Augustine, Florida, and is a uh, candidate, or I'm sorry, an inquirer for ordination uh, in the Presbyterian Church USA. She lives with her husband, Kevin, 
who is a coffee-making genius, and yes, I can attest to that, and has two wonderful kids, Esther and Winslow, who she says are chaos-making geniuses. I imagine, Rachel, you're feeling that a little more acutely right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah so, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, Rachel, you know, you went to college and seminary, and clearly you were uh, well-trained to be a youth minister in a worldwide pandemic. So please... Share with us what in the world is going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> My colleague Ann Reed and I can, like almost every day say to each other, "Where was the course in seminary about doing ministry during a pandemic and quarantine?" Yeah, um, <laughs> I've never seen it offered anywhere. They really let us down. They really did. What, um, what is going on? Uh, I ask myself that every day. <laughs> What's going on? Um, and I think in my world, there's like different levels of what's going on. There's like what's going on in my own family because um, I have a four and five-year-old at home. And then there's what's going on in like the team dynamic that I'm on and then what's going on with youth in particular. Um, and then bringing all those together uh, into one life <laughs> is, uh, yeah, it's overwhelming. I think most days it's very overwhelming. Um, but I, I do take a lot of comfort knowing that we're all figuring it out together. I'd mm. say in the lives of youth, uh, this is already a very anxious generation. Mm. So <laughs> I would say we're seeing a lot of uh, that anxiety that already exists sort of explode a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I think it's different for different kids and of course, but like we take polls on in our Instagram story from time to time, just checking in with our youth. Um, like, are, how are you feeling about learning online? And it's funny because I feel like the responses we get are split. Like some are like, I'm overwhelmed. This is the worst thing I've ever had to do. And then some kids are like, this is not so bad. So, right. <laughs> um, <Great. laughs> yeah. So I'm like, that's helpful. Great. Thank you so much. I mean, the nice thing about Instagram stories is you can tell who's responded to each one. And so then it helps me like zone in on one, like the particular youth who might be especially anxious. Sure. Um, through like a DM or a text. But right. um, yeah, so I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I don't know. So you've, seen, you've seen anxiety that was already there sort of heightened yeah. during this time. Um, you're, you know, you talked about trying to integrate like, hey, I've got two kids at home. We're dealing with this ourselves. Uh, your volunteers and your colleagues are dealing with it. Uh, and then the young people that are there as well. What do you think you're learning about God or yourself or youth ministry in all of this? I mean, that that may be too vague or too broad, but does anything in there grab your attention? So I think what I've been learning really has to do with youth ministry in general. It's it's really relevant whether there's like a quarantine and a pandemic or not. Um, and that is, I think I'm regularly tempted to create really good content, whether that's like content in a program or content online um, right. for a really great program. And, I, and that's because I think like with parents and with congregants, that's the thing that you get an email from a parent or a congregant going like, hey, you're doing a really great job. So interesting. Look at <laughs> Usually they don't write you to be like, hey, I heard you have a really great relationship with so-and-so and way to go, you know? Okay, I'm <laughs> writing that down now. I'll send you that email in a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think that temptation is always there and I'm rereading God-bearing life. And in that book, they remind us that youth ministry is a life work, not mm. a profession. Wow. Right. So obviously I'm getting paid to do this job. It is my paid profession. It's how I support my family. But in some ways, the quarantine has been a return to reminding me what really all this is for. Hmm. And I, 
And I would say like, I mean, the relationships are my favorite part. It's not like a hard part of my job to do and remember. But when you're in the day to day, and especially when you're doing it part time, it's, you know, we, at least I do, I'm like, what's the most efficient way to do this job? Sure. And efficiency can really be, I think, the enemy of good youth ministry. Because we're like in it for the long run. We're like, I like to think of what I'm doing as like journeying alongside youth in their life. Right. Um, and so, but, right. you know, that's a hard thing that, you know, in a way it's a harder thing to do. It's a simpler thing to do, but it's a harder thing to do. Well, it's just funny. Like you would never think of about the most meaningful relationships in your life and think, man, that sure is efficient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. But that's not really a metric of how you evaluate the nature of a relationship that, you know, you would say things like, wow, this person I can talk to about anything, or I know this is who I would call if I were really in trouble. You know, yeah. you don't think that conversation will be short, sweet and to the point, and I won't have to talk to him again. Yeah. You know, like that's just not the way that is. So yeah. you're saying like, this is exposing the temptation to rely on maybe efficient programming or. Uh, efficient planning as a vehicle for youth ministry as opposed to relationships. Right, exactly. And and I don't know how great <laughs> like I have been at doing that in the day to day, but I know that I'm I'm really trying to bring my focus back on incarnational youth ministry, doing youth ministry as, you know, um being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ with youth. Mm. Yeah. Um and so I think there has been this really strong temptation to have a great YouTube channel or have like a banging Instagram. Um, right. You know? <laughs> and um, comparison can be a great enemy because sometimes I'll look at things other people are doing. Like there's a youth group that I attended in high school and their new youth director has a marketing background. So like, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like some amazing graphics and stuff. And I'm over on Canva, like, Hey, you know, <laughs> do the best right. that I can. So, um, <laughs> but you know, it's interesting. You brought up, you say that word marketing because, um, Andy Root's book, unfiltered relationships or relationships unfiltered. I can never remember the order there, which is bad because he's going to be on one of these episodes. <laughs> so, um, but I, and I, I teach that in our youth ministry class. Yeah. And one of the ideas that he talks about is like when youth ministry becomes marketing, we have left our vocation. Yeah. When it when it is reduced to a marketing strategy, which I think you're right. Like this move to youth ministry online uh, sort of presents this challenge or this temptation maybe to slip into marketing as our primary mode of operation. Right. Yes, absolutely. I don't want to do that. Yeah, I don't want to do that either. I think in some ways there's like a blessing to it in the sense that the online component, what's helped is I feel like I'm bolder in the way I talk to youth about faith. Um, mm. Cause I think this is another temptation of youth ministry is just to be fun and cool and sure. get kids to like you. Right. So right. the distance in some ways has been like, okay, well now I have a little more, there's a little more space between us. So I actually feel more comfortable asking you the more intimate questions, the wow. questions that are like, okay, how are you in God? Are you reading scripture? If you're not, here's scripture you can be reading. One thing we did was drop journals off to our youth. Um, we, we dropped them on their porches. I think we had 45 or 46 journals we dropped. And um, I know they're not all going to use them. But sure. the idea was to remind them that in the quiet, which they're in theory having more of, like to turn their thoughts and their time toward God, toward Christ. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, journaling, I think, has been lost on a lot of youth um, because everything is online. Um, sure. But there's nothing quite like sitting in the quiet with a pen and a paper, reading your scripture and writing some thoughts, unfiltered thoughts down. Right. Wow. Man, that would be amazing so, to invite kids back into disciplines like that. You mentioned talking about um, dropping the journals. What is like something really practical? You've mentioned a couple of things, Instagram and Canva and dropping journals off and, and those sort of things. But what is something like 
super practical that you have put some time and energy into that you have felt like, uh, hey, this helped us move where we're trying to go? Like this has really been helpful. I mean, everyone is talking about Zoom um, and and playing around with different social media platforms. And it's crazy, like Zoom has gone from 10 million to 200 million users in a week or something like that. But uh, what is, what's one tool or one thing you've done that has been really helpful for you? So something practical, and this is like for, still a struggle for me, um, but for me, the practical thing is to carve specific time out every day that I'm working, you know. So because I'm at home right now with kids, you know, I have to homeschool them and do my job right. somehow. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, millions of people all across the world. Sure. Um so for me, what's helped is to really have a structure to say, okay, I'm going to get up. This is what my morning looks like now. This is the time me and the kids are going to start homeschool. This is the time we're going to end. We end at noon every day. Um, and then I, you know, and then I get to work, um, hmm. which is like a desk in my hallway. But there are people at home who are like, how am I supposed to do this youth ministry job when I've got kids, you know, uh, like underneath my feet? And you know what? Like your two children, it's not at the top of their list for you to right. do youth ministry. No. No. In <laughs> fact, my daughter came up to me today as I was sitting at my desk and I was like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm working on my job. And she goes, how? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> You're like, good question. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, great. So, um, but because of the nature of this kind of role, like I wake up and I go to bed thinking about, you know, this one kid whose mom is a single mom and she's a waitress and she's not working and they're already like, a, you know, a little bit food insecure. And, um, right. or I'm thinking about the one kids whose grandpa is now in the hospital and he can't see and, or I'm just thinking about the girl who was having tons of issues in her life before all this started. And now she's stuck at home with, you know, two parents who aren't getting along. And, um, my, right. like for all of us in ministry, we have those people constantly on our minds, but I would not be able to serve my ministry at home with my children and my husband. If every three seconds I'm like, Oh, I should text so-and-so and then take a second to do that. And then get caught up in a text conversation Wow. Right. Like my daughter's like, Hey mom, look at this drawing, you know? So, right. um, it's impossible to create, you know, all the boundaries, um, and not right. have blurred lines, especially in this time. But the most practical thing I could say is, is by creating as many boundaries as you can around, like, this is my work time and space. This is my family time and space is, um, for me, the best thing I've I've done for myself, I think, since all this started. Um, well, so that's you know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's something I feel like I've heard from you in, in previous conversations has been the, like, sort of the discipline of being gracious with yourself in the midst of writing that new schedule as well, right? I mean, so um, you're not really supposed to be able to be this, like, teacher of your two children and a 30, 35 hour a week youth minister, um, and deal with all the normal, like things of life. Like mm -hmm. no one signed up for this. You didn't agree to all these things. This was right. put upon you. Right. Um, and so in the task of, you know, creating a new rhythm or a new rule of life or, or creating new boundaries, part of that is to be gracious with yourself. So, uh, you know, saying things like, you know, Hey, I'm going to really engage with my children during these times, but then I'm not going to engage with them while I work. And I'm going to really engage at work during these times but I'm really not going to engage with those text messages or, or DMs or whatever uh, from young people or my volunteers during these other times. Right. You know, and so giving yourself the freedom and the grace to sort of do what you can do and like genuinely do your best with that, but then walk away at other times. Uh, I think that's really probably pretty difficult for people right now. Um, as they try to figure out how do I manage this new normal, which I don't know how long it's going to be normal, but it's going right. to be this way for a little while. Yeah, I would say 
that's I'm not actually very good at giving myself grace, which is probably why I talk about it so much. But I have been trying to make room for God's grace for me, if that paradigm shift makes any sense. Because I'm not always I'm not always great at sitting there and being like, all right, Ray, like you're doing a great job. Like don't talk to your kid because like you're doing this work or don't talk, text with this youth because you're with your kid, you know. But right. if I've really tried to carve quiet time out for myself, which sounds impossible. But um, right. I've managed to take about five to ten minutes every – usually in the morning. I, I really don't have any shame about using my television. I stick my kids in front of the TV and I go drink my cup of coffee and I just sit in the quiet and that's my time to let the Holy Spirit sort of <laughs> work their magic in my life um, so mm-hmm. that I can have grace through the day. And and I also am trying to remind myself I'm not going to be able to minister to youth, journey alongside them during this crazy experience they're having if I'm so stressed that I just can't bear it you know, then, and there's the temptation to like rely on them in some way or, you know, then, then things would really fall apart. So I'm really just trying to constantly remember I need to make room for Christ to move in my life so that I can actually be present to youth and and help them find Christ in all of this as well. I love it. Okay. So Rachel, why don't we close with this? Um, Being someone who is so quick to offer grace to others would you offer sort of a benediction of sorts or an encouragement uh, to youth workers as they try to figure out this new schedule and figure out how to keep kids connected and, and figure out what it means to bear their burdens as they you know, have grandparents in the hospital they can't visit or as their families have lost jobs or whatever it means for them? Um, what sort of word would you have for them? Yeah, I would say when you continue to move through this, pandemic, this quarantine, to remember you're not a social media influencer, you're not a YouTube star, you're a child of God, and that is enough. Amen to that. Okay, so Rachel, here's my challenge to you. (laughs) When we put this podcast up, I want you to go listen to that closing encouragement that you have for others and take it in yourself. (laughs) It's great advice, Justin. Got you with that one. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. All right, my friend. Thanks for jumping on with us. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Be well. Thanks. Uh Bye. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Missing Voices podcast. I hope that this focus on youth ministry in the midst of this pandemic Uh, was helpful to you in some way. I hope that there was maybe even just one moment during this last episode, maybe the benediction or or the signs of hope, uh, something that was a gift to you and maybe helps you carry out your work uh, that you have before you. You can follow what we're up to at missingvoices.flagler.edu, missingvoices.flagler.edu. Uh, And we hope that you are well. The work you are doing is incredibly important. And we want to figure out ways to be a part of that with you. Take care.